Welcome to episode 148 of the Better With Running podcast. My name is Chris Armstrong and tonight is a very special night because I'm not joined just by Zach and Newman, but before we um, we introduce our special guest, how are you, mate? How have you been? I'm going well, mate. Yes, it is exciting to have a other person join us for a part of the show. And uh, I've gave away a bit of a hint to you, Chris O. And uh, obviously we have this silly discussion at the start of every episode <laughs> is that I put up a random virtual background. And uh, this virtual background is the home track of this asset. Well, we don't know if it's actually, we conjecture if it's a home track, but we'll find a bit more, find out the uh, the verdict a bit later. No, well, I suppose, look, by popular demand, and it has been too long. Um, we love it when... We're joined by our good friend, but tonight, Sophie Fit, you're back. Welcome, mate. How are you? Hi, guys. Yep. Well, there's two of us on board tonight. Yeah. Um, carrying a full-term baby. So <laughs> you ask for one and you get two. How good is that? Price of one, yeah. Um, is that Collingwood? You're Collingwood track, Zach? It is, yeah. I, was, I did throw it up there. It was either do we put up the Olympic Park, the donut, or do we put up uh, the Collingwood track? So, and you, I reckon, how many uh, would you have done more laps around the donut these days? And oh, yeah, way more because Collingwood's always got the barrier, as you know, as per your <laughs> visual. Um, I've done very little training actually on Heidelberg Road, done heaps and heaps and heaps around Yarraben Park and that whole precinct. But I've done actually very little training on that track, if I'm honest. I remember years ago when I was not long out of uni, oh no, in uni, sorry, not long out of school, um, Anthony De Costella used to run a Saturday morning track session from that track. Mm. We did a lot around there and Ken Hall used to always come down and, and coach with Ant. Um, mm. And then since then, no, like I really haven't. Mind you, when we, we were just talking off air about us moving house, but prior to moving house, it was about a four and a half K warmups, like four and a half K from my place to Collingwood track. But yeah, just that barrier being up and often the gates were sort of locked and yeah, not even able to kind of climb the fence sort of stuff. <laughs> just uh, another, don't, don't get Chris started about tracks and just another locked up track in Melbourne, in Australia, <laughs> basically. Just uh, another locked up track. Yeah. Uh, so no, I haven't done much there, but it's, it is a good one when you can get on it. How much running have you been done? Obviously, we have. We were on. Oh, when did we chat last? It's got to be months ago now, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon was I halfway through the pregnancy. Mm. I can't even remember what month it was. So I ran up to thirty-four weeks, okay. um, and I ran on the Friday. I can vividly remember it was probably a twenty-five minute run, continuous. Felt pretty good, probably five ten-ish per k pace. Um, and then the next day, I went for a walk. Uh, just decided not to go for a run and that was a Saturday got into work that day and just felt really sore um, through the front of my pelvis which is the pubic symphysis it's basically where the left part of the pelvis meets the right part of the pelvis and I just no, it just felt sore like I was I was actually really 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 uncomfortable and it's a type of pain I've always tried to imagine but you know you don't know a pain that you've never felt before but I knew that it was common in pregnancy um, and it, it's not just pregnant people who can experience pubic symphysis pain, but it's definitely common in pregnancy as the hormones start to work on the ligaments of the pelvis and start to loosen things up. You know, these sorts of things that you're susceptible to them. Um, 
and I was really, really uncomfortable. Uh, but within probably 48 hours, I got an SIJ belt, SIJ being the sacroiliac joint, but it's a belt that's very commonly worn by women in pregnancy. And it basically just sits below if you sort of palpate your, the front bones of your pelvis, which are your ASIS. Um, this belt just wraps around, it's Velcro, and it essentially just brings all the pelvis in tight together. Mm. And it, I, I had miraculous relief within probably two hours of wearing the belt. And now I wear it um, pretty much like I, after I've had a shower and got dressed, I pretty much put it on of a morning and I wear it almost all day and I've had no pain since. But just getting that pelvic pain when I did was a, just a pretty clear indicator to me that I didn't probably need to be running anymore. Um, and if I hadn't have got that pain, I reckon I might have maybe squeezed out another week of walk jogs and wrapped it up. I don't think you need to run past 35 weeks. I'm not sure who's benefiting at that point. Were you enjoying um, it still? Like obviously. Yeah, yeah, I really was. Yeah, I really was fine. I was so much, I was comfortable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a funny, funny pressure on your, um, pretty much it just feels like a pressure on your bladder, if I'm honest. Um, but the baby can move around and if it sort of shifts, it, it feels like the baby can kind of shift off the bladder a bit. It's a funny sensation, but you can go from being quite uncomfortable to suddenly you're not. Um, and I was really enjoying it. Yeah, I felt fine. And I felt like I was moving quite well. Like I, um, you know, probably wouldn't want to catch a reflection of myself in a window. But, um, I didn't feel clunky or baby giraffe-like or... Yeah. I felt really good and I know my tissue in terms of like um, connective tissue, like your, your critical tendons, like Achilles tendon and proximal hamstring. And I know that they were all holding up really well and probably benefiting from staying conditioned and, mm. um, you know, that adaptation process. So, yeah, no, I felt really, really good. And um, there were days where I'd walk a little bit more. There were days where I'd run continuously and there were days where I'd almost start out and just go, mm, not really feeling it today and kind of walk. Yeah. Um, but one benefit to this pregnancy is accessibility to swimming pools, mm -hmm. which I never had. Well, I didn't really have when I was pregnant with Mabel because uh, of COVID. So mm -hmm. knowing that I had the pool to fall back on made the stopping running quite easy because I could, I just knew I was going to be getting some exercise that I enjoy doing. So yeah, I've been at swimming pool since 34 weeks and, but I am, I'm itching to get back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, mm. the swimming's going well, Soph. Like you're still doing that a few times a week. Yeah, swimming's going well, Chris. O. yep. So I swim probably four or five times a week. Like I'll go down tomorrow morning. Um, got a funny story for you guys actually about the swimming pool. Um, I'm no brilliant swimmer. Like, let's just don't like make no mistake. I am not a good <laughs> swimmer. I can swim and I'm very comfortable in the water and I've swum all my life. Um, so I find I'm quite, I find it quite natural. Like I'm quite natural in the water, but by no stretch of the imagination, am I a good swimmer? Were you just, um, just chiming quickly, were you, when you were doing big mileage marathon builds, were you including a swimming as a, as like a recovery day or an additional top up aerobically? Yeah. Back in the day, I reckon going back probably 10 years, sort of through uni and early years out of school, uh, sorry, out of uni and sort of professional and whatnot. I did every single Wednesday. So I do my medium long run, park at Richmond pool, do a medium long run and have a 2K swim. And that was 
just built into my plan. Mm. And then a few years after, a few years ago, that sort of dropped off and I just go sporadically. So to answer your question in a big marathon build, I'd probably swim once a month, maybe twice a month, but I could, I could go months without swimming. Mm. Um, So probably as my mileage increased, no, I probably lost a bit of touch with the swimming, Um, but it was never sort of far away. If you know what I mean? Like it never felt foreign to me to just, pack my bag and go to the pool and have a swim. And yeah, so um, Interesting. a little bit more sporadic as my mileage went up. And that's probably to do with managing fatigue and mm. um, probably time availability and stuff like that. It's a bit of an investment. Like it's a commitment. Yeah, yeah. The whole yeah. getting logistics. to the swimming pool. Yeah, and then, yeah logistics, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, so a couple of weeks, this happened a couple of weeks ago. I was walking I had my swim had my shower got dressed and I was just walking out and kind of just in the common area between the um, ladies change rooms and the exit and this couple was in front of me probably like a meter or two in front of me they were leaving together so I'm just going to assume they're a couple or maybe they were just two (laughs) friends or whatever and the gentleman was talking and he was probably I want to say maybe 50 or so Mm. Um, and of course I like I just joined I didn't join the conversation, but I just started walking behind them when they were like mid conversation. So I only caught sort of a part of their conversation, but he was having a whinge to her that he feels like he's lost fitness and he's not swimming very well. So he's just having a bit of a whinge about not feeling good in the water or whatnot. She was just like, well, you need to come down more often and blah, blah, blah. And then I heard him say, (laughs) I heard him say, even that pregnant lady went past. (laughs) 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 i was just like i trailed back because i didn't want them to know that it was me and then i was like oh was there another pregnant lady at the pool today (laughs) and i was like i don't think so and i know that there's someone in squad who's pregnant but she she's out of like she's so fast that he wouldn't have compared her because she was on the other side of the pool (laughs) and i'm in the two-piece at the moment because i don't even fit my one piece there's this like massive belly so I stand out like a sore thumb, <laughs> and he's conscious that even the pregnant lady who has to share her oxygen is asking him in the water. So I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm sensing, uh, is this a soft moment where you're underplaying things? Because you know, I used to see you, I'd be driving to work and it'll be like six in the morning or something, and I'd see you hammering along on an easy run and then i'd say oh you you like move pretty well no no i'm not very not very fast on my easy runs i'm like you absolutely hammer and i'm thinking is this the same thing you'd say you no, just no, no. Cruise. i don't do easy runs hard <laughs> like i do easy runs at 440 so you have to have seen me in this a session back no 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 this is back in the day you were you no i i think you used to run them a lot quicker no, no, no. <laughs> and i'm honestly not a good swimmer so he was clearly so far out of form but i was like it kind of demonstrates how society see me as handicapped <laughs> like uh, even, even the pregnant lady went past yeah. she's the size of a whale and she's just... uh, did you anyway. see jess went around in the relays on the weekend oh did she in uh, adelaide oh i don't I know how many i bet like she had belly out it was great it was just she was having fun it was like i think she did 2k leg or something good um, on her yeah, yeah you won't get me doing that steph bruce has been running a lot over in the states I follow yeah. her journey a lot. Yeah. I've always followed her um, pregnancy and postpartum journey. So, yeah, look, a lot of people do it. It's not my cup of tea, but, um, <laughs> you know, kudos to them. No, I'm yeah. just happy passing middle-aged men in the slow lane. Yeah, 
at the, at the local bars, if you're, if I'm honest. Putting the hammer down. <laughs> anyway, so that's nice mine. Fun. Yeah. Well, good to get an update on, on that. Uh, we got a couple of things we want to cover with you whilst we got you, because we know you're, you're, um, <laughs> you're still flat out working away and tired and all the rest. So we won't keep you long, but we did want right. to touch on the health corner. We thought good chance we haven't had an opportunity to chat all things podiatry what have you got for us yeah so I was thinking about this so I've done a little bit of prep just some um, loose note taking I thought um, of something that might be a benefit to our listeners and community might be to touch on more of the dermatology aspect Um, dermatology is the skin so in podiatry we refer to anything relating to the skin and toenails as dermatology Um, and or to put it simply the things you can see um, compared with musculoskeletal structures, which you technically can't see. So um, I thought I might tap into a few things that I get asked about routinely and they're changes that occur to the skin and nails. So dermatological changes that occur as a result of running or um you know, hiking or sort of physical exercise that occurs sort of in a chronic way, chronic mean ongoing, long, prolonged, um, and try and make it, uh, try and bring a bit of clarity to what is normal, what would you sort of expect to occur um, at that superficial tissue level and what might need attention um, from a professional, you know, it could be a GP or a podiatrist or, Uh, that sort of thing so um, I'm only going to tap into a few pathologies because we don't need to get too nitty-gritty I'm not a dermatologist uh, and a lot of things are probably not relevant so I'll just tap into a few common um, presentations uh, that you might see on your skin and toenail areas so this is all a bit gross if if we're being honest it's kind of the grotty part of podiatry it's Mm. my bread and butter I see it every day I don't think it's gross at all but yeah just some words that people like oh yuck but Mm. essentially I want people to think of their feet as a highly functional part of the body we know that Mm. um they're not the most glamorous or the prettiest part of the body but we know our feet are highly functional and they play a critical role in uh everything really especially as distance runners, um, we'd be pretty lost without our feet. So to preface all of this, I want people to have an appreciation of the wear and tear. Uh, That's just what happens. Like it's wear and tear. Um, And it's if you subject your body to 50, 100, 150, 200 kilometers a week, there's a lot of wear and tear, especially when four to eight times your body weight is going through your feet with every step. Um, That's a lot of wear and tear. You could almost liken it to the, the hands, the palm of the hand of a rower. So you look at a rower who's on the water, you know, two hours of a morning, two hours of afternoon, their hands are calloused and that callous is wear and tear. Um, and our superficial tissue is fragile. So lots of things can happen to it to make it look a bit feral or ugly or gross. Uh, and a lot of these things are nothing to worry about. So Um, I want to talk about firstly with the toenails, Uh, discoloration around the toenails can be caused by a number of things. A toenail is made of keratin. It's a keratin nail plate. Um, And a toenail is usually an opaque color. And the pinky uh, presentation underneath the opaque nail plate is uh, blood vessels. However, discoloration might be um, 
uh, by way of bruising. So it might be sort of a blacky, blue, dark, bruised color. Um, or it could be something more like yellow, streaky, white, browny colors. So I'll talk about both things. Bruised toenails occur when the capillaries underneath the nail bed and the nail bed is what resides underneath the nail plate. When those superficial capillaries rupture from lots of trauma, um, you get that bruised appearance around the nail. It's usually nothing to worry about. Um, it's usually a cause of great concern to people. There's normally nothing to worry about. And a bruised toenail can take a very, very long time to move through the stages of change. So people need to be very patient and understand that just because it's bruised, you've kind of just got to leave it alone. There's nothing you can do about it. The very, very, very bruised ones, we mostly see and expect that they will drop off. So they'll become detached and lift off the nail bed. Uh, again, there's no, there is no purpose for us to rush that process. And there's certainly no process for people at home to rush that process. <laughs> so I just tell everyone, keep your nails nice and short and smooth and leave them alone. Just let nature take its course. Because in a lot of cases, the bruised area will um, extend distally, which means extend toward the end and new fresh nail plate will come up from the base of the nail. So you may not lose the nail plate at all. So we certainly don't touch it, poke it and prod it. Um, however, if it's about to be displaced or detached, we can safely use sterile instruments to lift it off, but that's not very, that doesn't happen very often. So any discoloration that looks like bruising should be left alone. Um, and as I said, but it, you know, if, it, if it's very painful, if you see blood underneath the nail or anything like that, you know, by all means ask about it. But if you just notice that the keratin nail plate looks bruised, leave it alone. Um, and it's, we see it mostly distance runners, people who do hiking, um, people who rock climb. Uh, and it can be a sign of that your shoes are maybe half a size or a full size too small. Yeah. Um, or you could have shoes that are perfectly, that fit perfectly and are even slightly too spacious. But um, every time the foot hits the ground, it does shift ever so slightly forward. And that repetitive motion can cause the bruising. Um, another cause of discoloration can be a fungal toenail infection. Um, and fungal toenail infections are very common uh, and they occur often hand in hand with tinea, which I'll get to in a minute. But a fungal toenail infection occurs when fungal spores are lodged underneath the nail plate on the nail bed and um, they're really, it's, it's not unhygienic. Uh, it's actually very, very, very common. They're very difficult to treat. I'm not going to go into a, a comprehensive management treatment plan of a fungal toenail infection, but um, they're not, it is not poor hygiene that's caused a fungal nail infection. Fungal spores thrive in a warm, moist environment. So if you think of the inside of a sock and shoe, warm, moist environment. Um, they are very difficult to treat, but a fungal toenail infection is treatable. Um, but usually presents with thickening of the nail plate, sometimes white discoloration, sometimes loss of integrity, such as the nail plate being quite crumbly, um, quite a whole host of ways. Uh, again, they're not dangerous. There's nothing bad about them. Technically, they are contagious, but you can see people um, who've had a fungal nail infection on and off for years and years and no one in their family or people that they share a shower with has ever caught it. It's never spread. So whilst the theory is that they're contagious, it's um, it's nothing to be overly concerned about. Uh, so, and again, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, and, and you're probably going to get to it. That's right. Getting to, you said it's like it's not, if it happens, it happens sort of thing. But is there something you can do? Like I know you, you mentioned about socks. We all got to wear, we all wear socks. But is it a thing about, hey, you should be, 
looking at a better sock or you should be rotating them right <laughs> no, you know is, is that yeah. something that we should be looking at as well just to prevent the, the prevent. chances yeah that's a really good question um it's kind of hard because i mean just carry out you know the greatest level of personal hygiene that you can mm. and um even in those scenarios you might still contract one but if you do carry out the greatest level of hygiene so um regularly obviously just your showers regularly changing socks and shoes regularly changing the insoles of your shoes mm. um all that sort of stuff uh that might be enough to prevent you um for, to prevent those fungal spores from getting too comfortable inside the shoe mm. but essentially if you're just going about your normal daily life unfortunately for the natural fact that we are all surrounded and covered by um or we're covered in <laughs> um, bacteria, yeah. fungus and viruses. It's all around us. Mm. Um, runners are more susceptible to it because, yeah, they're just, it's just such a beautiful, cozy environment inside that shoe for the fungal spores. Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't, we don't really talk extensively about prevention. Mm. Um, maybe it's just part, part for the course being a runner that would have been a bit par for the course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're yeah. running, you're, you're, going to work in socks then you're getting out into new socks and then you're running and then exactly. it's you're still putting a lot of heat through that area <laughs> and people sort of very quickly um point the finger at the speaking of public change rooms like my swimming pool mm -hmm. um the floors of public change rooms yeah, yeah. and also um both men and women can access nail salons and bars but i hear it probably more from a from a female perspective is the um the salons that you can have your nails done at. Mm. Uh, and I'll speak to both those. Firstly, with regards to the swimming pool, I disagree a little bit with regards to the potential to um, <laughs> get a fungal infection from the swimming pools for a couple of reasons. If you look around, most people have got thongs on. Yeah. So most people aren't actually barefoot in touch with the ground. Mm. And I'd also argue that when you get out of the swimming pool, you're actually doused in chlorine. So you're not, um, everybody, like those floors are actually covered in chlorine yeah. and most public change rooms, swimming pools, et cetera, they usually get cleaned morning and night and they mm. use really strong chemicals. So I, I sort of, I kind of disagree that that's a common place to pick up a fungal infection or a wart in, warts of viruses um, yeah. compared to fungus. I, I just, I actually disagree with that a little bit. Um, the nail salons don't use sterilized instruments. So that is a little bit of a, um, yeah, that's a bit of a risk. But look, I know people have been having their nails done. Manny, Petty, this, that, and mm. the other every week for six years and they never contracted. Chris is fine. Chris has yeah. been great. Like his nails are gorgeous and mm. he's always been fine. So Shep Nails. <laughs> Shout out to the sponsor. Yeah, nothing I love more than getting down to the salon on a Saturday, the nails done after a, after a long run. It's, um, it's lovely. both both a treat for mine, for myself, and the person who has to do them. Well. Yep. Yeah, I yep. do really do not want it to bend my feet to a to a nail petty or whatever they're called. Manny Petty, yeah. <laughs> I just um I just say to my patients, go there if you want to. Like it doesn't bother me. People mm. are like, I'm sure you hate those places. I'm like, I don't mind. You can go wherever you want. It doesn't bother mm. me. But I just said, you need to be an informed consumer and understand they don't have autoclaves. Like, because yeah. washing, washing, drying, packing, sterilizing instruments is very time consuming. It takes up an enormous part of my day. It's my podcast time. Um, <laughs> And it is time consuming and they just have such a high turnover. They don't sterilize their instruments. Like I've been to them myself. So that says a lot, 
but yeah. I've also I kind of go in there and I look around and I they're just not using sterilized instruments. Yeah. So that that's probably a more common place. And interestingly, I remember learning this in uni. A very common place to pick up fung, um, fungal infection is actually carpets in hotels because mm. people don't walk around with their shoes on. They come into the hotel room, take their shoes off. Hotels are mostly carpets. They tend not to be tiles and floorboards. Mm. Uh, so you've got anyone from everywhere walking around without their shoes on. And when the cleaner um, comes and vacuums, it just picks up superficial dust. But yeah. those fungal spores can be lodged in the fibres of the carpet. So that's a very common place to pick up fungal infection. But yeah, as runners, we are sitting ducks because we're putting our foot in the environment that the, the pathogen thrives in. Um, what about vibrance? Could you wear the five fingers? Would that help? I, I was actually thinking that when you said about socks. Um, <laughs> I can't really that's see. Another, that whole, another podcast. <laughs> Are you being, well, I was just going to address that because interdigital maceration, which refers to this very um, in between your toes, so the web spaces, mm. um, when moisture builds up there, that area can get a little soggy, which we call macerated. And you know, that can be a problem in itself. And vibrams would probably prevent that to an extent because you don't have um, that friction between the digits when, you're, um, when your toes are in an open toe box sock structure, if you know what I mean. Um, so we sort of talked about bruised toenails, fungal nail infection, which is uh, leads into sort of tinea. Um, but just with the last thing with regards to toenails, although it's not necessarily more common in runners unless the toe box shape and size is ill-fitting and that's ingrown toenails. 99.9% um, .9 of them occur in the big toe, so the, the hallux. Um, and ingrown toenails are a pathology unto themselves because um, if it's not as severe as an ingrown toenail, it might just be a slightly more involuted toenail. But anyone who suspects they have an ingrown toenail is at high risk of infection um, and is probably in enormous discomfort. We don't see many ingrown toenails without a lot of discomfort. So ingrown toenails should absolutely be addressed by a podiatrist um, because they, if it is a true ingrown toenail and not, you know, a Google diagnosed or a self diagnosed um an ingrown toenail does require a very simple in clinic uh toenail surgery procedure uh to be rectified so that's if anyone suspects an ingrown toenail um they should see someone because the risk of infection is very high yeah. um but just to dial back to leading on from fungal infection of the toenail that leads into tinea tinea pedis or athlete's foot uh, because that's also caused by fungus. And that presents in a lot of different ways. It's more common to be in the interdigital spaces, so the in between your toes um, and up around the ball of your foot, but it can present anyway. It can be down through the arch, around the heel. Um, there is a particular kind of tinea that's described as the moccasin distribution. So it's literally like if you put your foot into a moccasin and the top of your foot is bare but every part that's covered by your slipper that's a common presentation for tinea um tinea is usually very itchy um there are often little red vesicles um so it's pretty easy to diagnose in its very mild um presentation there's not a whole lot to worry about and the good thing about 
um, the skin compared to the nail is we know our skin cells turn over very rapidly. We shed skin cells very quickly and rapidly and then they build back up or regenerate. So tinea can come and go much, much, much free, more frequently than a fungal infection of the toenail. So there's lots of things you can do for tinea. I don't need to go through the nitty gritty of it right now, but I will say that any topical, so anything bought over the counter from the chemist or prescribed by a, a doctor, any topical antifungal treatment used for tinea should always be used in conjunction with uh, changes to lifestyle and behaviour to create a more healthy environment for the foot. So that's consideration of tiles, carpets, floorboards, sheets, towels, oh, okay. shoes, because you can put any antifungal treatment on your skin all day, every day. But if you continue to put your foot in the environment where the fungus is thriving, it's not going to do anything. Uh, mm. And you can actually treat tinea by not putting a single thing on your foot, but just changing the environment that it's in. And that's all really easy. And I can give people like nine or 10 easy steps to do at home. Mm. Uh, and the tinea can go in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well. So uh, I won't go into too much of it. It's getting a bit boring now, but... <laughs> Um, tinea is again it's not it's not poor hygiene we know we we exist in a microcosm of fungus bacteria and viruses so you know it's 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 nothing to worry about but it's easily to, it's easy to treat and it's a lot more treatable than the toenail presentation of the same thing um so that's sort of toenail stuff and then there's just the last few things i wanted to discuss um corns and callus are the same thing they just feel a bit different. Callus is the buildup of hard skin, hyperkeratosis. And a corn is a uh, focal localized version of callus and almost always with a central nucleus. So you'll often see a corn with overlying callus. Um, you'll see callus more diffuse as in more spread out presentation. Corns are very, very small, but can be very, 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 very painful and are always found on weight bearing areas. And it's the body's way of providing some extra padding, so to speak, because it's detected the pressure from weight bearing stress on that part of the weight, weight, bearing, weight bearing part of the foot and it's lying, it's literally a process of laying down skin to mitigate pressure. But that skin builds up in a very focal localized area or region um, and is caused by and is, is becomes a corn. Um, the most effective way to treat these is um, sharp scalpel debridement with a sterile scalpel blade. Um, not debridement, sorry. Yes, sharp scalpel debridement with a sterile scalpel blade. And that can only occur in a podiatry clinic or GP, I guess. Um, I don't get the tools and try to know. Not, not steak knives. Please don't use steak <laughs> knives. You should hear some of the things I've heard people say. And I was like, and what night did you have your rump before you? Yeah. And what? how on earth did you clean it between the two? Got the and autoclave there. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, and how are you going with that hamstring and low back pain? So what were you doing with the knife as you tried to wrangle your body into a position that you thought you'd be able to get rid of a corn. Bit of yoga <laughs> at the same time. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You try so hard not to judge. Um, <laughs> I know everyone's just trying to do the best thing for themselves, but you wonder why people end up in ED. I serious. Anyway, so 
but things like corn pads and those sorts of things that you can buy mm. over the chemist I'd really strongly recommend people steer clear of them. They're, the active ingredient is almost always a salicylic acid, which is not really something you should put on a corn anyway. And they tend to just drastically soften the skin so that you just don't feel it as much. They don't actively get the nucleus out of the skin. Mm. Um, but a sterile scalpel blade, it can do that very easily by someone who knows how to do it. And it's very yeah. easy for us. Um and you just feel better. Like, you you know, you've had no chemicals put on your skin, nothing at all, mm-hmm. and you sort of walk out feeling great. But of course, um, the nature of it is that they will come back and they do come back. But um, it's corns and callus are easily managed and they fall under the same banner, which is a very different banner to a wart. A wart, I don't really need to go into the nitty gritty of a wart because, you know, sedentary Sam is just a, at risk as active Angie of getting a wart because that's a virus. Um but warts should also be seen too. Um, you can leave them and, and often the immune system will fight the virus that's caused it. But a wart and a corn are compl- two different things, two different things. But corns and callus are the same thing um, from a pathophysiological point of view. Uh, and then the last thing I just want to touch on is blisters. And that's very much a runner, hiker, you know, kind of thing. Uh, blisters are caused by moisture and friction and it's the layers of the skin rubbing together that cause a buildup of fluid um, which is the moisture um, so always in the presence of more and always due to friction will blisters present um, blisters always have an overlying sort of piece of skin that should in most cases try to be kept intact we always try to keep skin intact because as soon as you break the skin, it's a portal of entry for bacteria, which can cause an infection. Um, so if in doubt and if concerned about, you know, as people say, popping the blister, mm-hmm. I think it's good to be seen by someone who can do it with something sterile and follow up the popping, if you want to call it that, um, or breaking the skin mm-hmm. with a proper clinical dressing, which would be a saline flush, some, you know, like a betadine sort of ointment, uh, and a sterile dressing with advice on managing infection. Um, but blisters, they don't just sort of just pop up out of nowhere. Blisters start by the skin being quite irritated. Uh, so I often recommend to people, especially on multi-day hikes and big walks and stuff, I always say to them, um, in your break, because you will take a break to use the bathroom, have a drink, get something to eat, take your socks and shoes off and actually examine your feet because areas that are really, really red and inflamed are probably starting to become a blister. It won't just mm. go from healthy, normal, intact skin on one footstep to the next step, it's a blister. Like it, there's a process. So you can actually have a look at the skin that might be vulnerable and do something about it then. And I always recommend to people, it's a little bit different to runners, but multi-day hikers and, you know, if they're on say a 15K walk or something, just carry a, a, a small towel, like a face washer that's not wet and dry your feet. Because as soon as you take a lot of moisture out, um, you're really helping your skin. And the most important thing is just to put dry socks on, put some more dry socks on. So take a little of the moisture out of it And if you do see those areas of redness, just put a couple of Band-Aids over those vulnerable areas. But if you miss all those stages, you miss that whole process and you get a blister, um, yeah, it's it's important to keep the skin intact. If it's very, very, uh, if there's a lot of fluid underneath, you can can try to sort of puncture the skin. 
um, to allow the fluid to escape. But from that point, you should be employing um, an infection control protocol, um, which, you know, just washing it, drying it, dressing it with like a betadine um, and covering it, and then proceeding to try to keep the area as dry as possible. And then understanding that that location on your foot is susceptible to blisters. So moving forward with that knowledge um, and, and using some simple band-aids or whatever it is to um, protect that skin later on until such a time as it probably builds up a bit of callus, a bit of a harder um, outer, sort of, so to speak, um, and then might not blister as quickly or as easily next time. So... 30k into the marathon we can't obviously take our shoes off do a check yep get a towel out i mean you could yep. if you wanted but you might lose a bit of time but uh how do we go about race week or race day obviously training trying things but how do we do it race yep. day yep. marathon in probably in particular marathon half marathon yeah good question so Wear the socks and the shoes in combination that you're going to wear in a marathon multiple times before the race. Then by the time you get to race day, you're probably pretty sure if that sock-shoe combination for a period, if you're a two-hour 45 marathon runner, for a period of two hours and 45 minutes is going to give you grief. Um, And you can go in pretty confident if it will or it won't. If you think it will, um, you know, I see a lot of people in race week and I can give them a little strategy around how to dress the area with suitable dressings like, you know, a glorified Band-Aid, for example. Um, but if you've worn the sock and shoe combination, and by this point, by the time you toe the line for a marathon, your yeah. feet are pretty calloused. Yeah. So, you know, you've worn, you're never putting in an orthotic that you've never worn before. You certainly shouldn't be wearing socks for the first time with that shoe for the first time you know, and running on roads, you've never, like if you if you do all your training on off the road, well, you know, preparing for a marathon involves long runs on the road in those mm. socks and shoes. So you're probably got a bit of an idea going into it, how susceptible you are. Mm. Um, and that goes a very long way to preventing it from occurring. If it does just happen on the day and it, you just never saw that coming, I mean, you've pretty much just got to try and get, obviously to get to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm talking about the mild ones at this point. And then you will take your shoe off and it could be a bit of a, a mess. Um, and that's when I, if, if I was giving advice, I would probably see someone as quickly as I could just to identify if there are any areas that looked as if the skin becoming, um, if the skin was looking like it wouldn't be intact, if that's at risk of infection. Um, and just, or you could go home, salt water bath, dress the areas, keep them dry and keep your socks and shoes off, or, you know, just go for like a Birkenstock thong kind of thing for a few days afterwards. But yeah, certainly when the skin is not intact and you're at risk of infection, it's worth having it looked at just to, I mean, you know, there's enough musculoskeletal pain to deal with after a marathon dealing with a superficial infection is yeah pretty mm. undesirable mm. and we do know that superficial skin infections can become cellulitic and that's a uh, that's a, a serious concern so mm. yeah of course there are a lot of people who at 30k mark start to feel that stingy burny mm. feeling and that's probably a blister um you've got to do your best to get through until the end mm. <laughs> like, i think if i look back at 
some marathons. I think I had experience, uh, not so much in the build-up in the sessions, but I think I just maybe got a little bit pedantic about it and thought in the back of my head, oh, what if I do feel a blister at 25? So I would was actually putting a, a Band-Aid or I was putting some spots where I traditionally had issues. Yep. Um, great idea just just as having that as a backup so i knew that there was something there and and even i yeah i don't know if i'd tried that in sessions but i never felt it when i when i ran with it that's a really good idea and if people weren't sure interdigital spaces can be common so that's like in between your toes the distal arch so if you look at your art the arch of your foot as it drifts towards the big toe, that's the distal part of your medial arch. That can often be um, an area where you might get a blister. Um, I mean, you could say theoretically the back of your heel sort of at the base of the mm-hmm. Achilles where it attaches at the heel bone. But I feel like heel counters of shoes are pretty good these days. It doesn't happen as much, but yeah. it's really all about practicing that sock shoe combination. 100%, yeah. And if you've done, you know, the right number of long runs, like you're really well trained across the long run, the skin on your feet are, is, is conditioned and can withstand that stress for that amount of time. But then, of course, you know, you throw in, let's say it's a really hot day and you're throwing mm. a lot of water over you and the or it's, you know, it's pouring rain or something. When you increase the amount of moisture in the area, there's that moisture friction relationship. Um, and there, of course, you could do absolutely everything, you know, air quote, right. Yeah. Um, and shit just happens on the day. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just, it's no different to a calf cramp, you know, yeah. a hip flexor, a belly ache, gut problems, anything. Yeah. Do your best to get to the finish line. But from a, from a management point of view, certainly if things are looking pretty ugly, I don't see, um, yeah, I, I don't see a problem or I don't see why anyone wouldn't consider having a superficial problem addressed in the same way that you'd take seriously um, a musculoskeletal complaint off the back of a marathon. Yeah. So you're the, the sock shoe combo king over there. Hmm. You'd be well and truly prepared for free, before a marathon with um, you know, doing a few dress rehearsals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, depends on the shoes and, and the price that I paid for them. I don't know how much running they'll get prior to race day, but um, there certainly will be a few runs um, and definitely lots in the socks. Uh, I think I'm probably um, actually got told off earlier in the week for the amount of socks that I do have um, whilst Nora was helping to put them away. And um, as, as she's just said, it's overwhelming um, how many pairs of socks I now have. So um Yes, there's a lot that have been battle tested, and I um, certainly do have a few favourites. But yeah, no, there's um, plenty of practice goes into the socks, particularly if they're ones that you think look good too. So that yeah. always helps. Yeah, and yeah, I don't a- think there's any hard and fast rules about socks. I mean, I remember years ago, like when my dad was like doing heaps of mileage. Um, <laughs> remember, everyone loved the Tholo, the really yes. yeah, 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 that was like expensive. Like yeah. And it was just like, oh, well, they're expensive, so they must be they great. Must be good, but- yeah. You sort of think of the theory of that and you're like, well, there was they were so thick mm. that thickness relates to more fibers in the fabric and more fibers is more fibers to hold moisture. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for a thinner sock. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're looking at natural fibers that breathe well. But look, at the end of the day, I just like think the explorer find, sock, you know, that was a yeah, big hiking sock. Yeah. Find something that works for you and you like. You know, that's mm. all it is. Find something that works for you and, and works for your foot type and that you just like wearing. And it's certainly not a price point thing at all. It's it's um what you feel most comfortable in. 
oh, and I think people who are running a marathon, by the time you've paid the entry and the flights and the accommodation and the months of training and the coaching, I don't think anyone would flinch at paying $30 for a sock that they knew that wasn't going to give them blisters. Yeah. And it's, it's priceless to have um, a yeah. pair of shoes that fit properly and socks that um, aren't going to contribute towards any um, discomfort. You'd, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Indeed. I love that, Soph. Thank you for that. And and just a quick little segue into Gold Coast chat because we thought while well, we got you, we might pepper with a with a few more questions around that. And I think, yeah, even that race race week and even the dress rehearsal, just touching back on that, I think, you know, we're, what, two weeks out or coming up to, you know, their last weekend of some final tune-up workouts. This, I don't know if you used to do this in the past, but would you utilise this weekend as a way to, you know, put on the, the race kit and lay it out and, and wear it for that last tune-up session? Or you may have used it. I ideally would have used it for longer sessions also because then you can get a feel if, it, if, if you kit is fine after 30k but yep. could be a chance for those who haven't to, to throw it on this weekend yeah absolutely yep this weekend would be ideal um for me so i think i mostly raced in my old zavs kit so i knew that i'd raced in that outfit many times so i never sort of really practiced what the the top and bottom but for from a sock shoe perspective absolutely yeah um that would you know this weekend would be ideal you've hopefully done a number of sessions in the shoes you're going to wear and hopefully a run of at least 90 minutes. Um, this is just my personal opinion. It's got nothing to do with podiatry or run coaching or anything, but I've always felt if, if the shoe, if you're very comfortable in it for 90 minutes, you're going to be fine in it for the marathon. Heaps of people could disagree with me on that. And I, I think your, your opinion is more than valid and probably correct. But for me, if, if the shoe feels fine for 90 minutes, I know it will be fine for the marathon. Um, and if something goes wrong in the marathon, it's not the shoe, it's the runner, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you certainly would have wanted to have ticked the, your, your chosen shoe sock combina combination over in a number of you know easy jogs, a couple of sessions and at least a 90 minute run. So um, what are we? Oh, we're one week out this week, aren't we? Yes. So mm -hmm. yeah. we are. If you haven't tried them, put them on this mm. week. Like tomorrow's Thursday. Yeah. So maybe even Thursday, Saturday, and then at least once or twice in the week leading in. Mm. But I would hope there's not too many people who are taking a pair of shoes out of the box for the first time, having never tried them mm. in marathon week. Yeah. So. race week so as an athlete you've done how many marathons have you done now i've stopped my head up i've, I've done, done so i've done eight, eight eight marathons yep get us back in the head of sophie race week leading mm -hmm. into a marathon what are some of the things you're focusing on as an athlete in that week yeah so thinking about you know in terms of logistics and all that sort of stuff what, what is yeah um First of all, delete your weather apps. Yeah. Control them. Stop messaging Nicole. There's only asking. so many times you can hit refresh. It hasn't changed from 30 yeah. minutes ago. Okay. And for the most part, it's an it's a um, I mean, look in, in race week, it's it's a little bit more legit, but in the weeks leading in, um it's <laughs> what's what's that thing called? Um a Oh, I'm just trying to think of the word. Not a started a 
I'll, I'll think of it later. Um, right. I'll think of it. Basically, it's just a rough prediction based on history. Um, yeah. Anyway, so delete your weather apps. Uh, definitely, I mean, there's a lot to be said for trying to be horizontal more than being mm. vertical. <laughs> but yeah. you know, try to be horizontal more than you ordinarily would be. A lot mm -hmm. to be said for that. Um, I just think just carry on as normally as you can. Like it's just, mm. it is just another race. Life goes on. You know, the more you can continue to um, delight in, in all that life offers you around your race, the better. It's not the be all and end all. Mm. Um, certainly don't pack your week with social and work and all sorts of commitments because you don't, your body doesn't need the extra stress responses. Um but I, I just think keep things as normal and relaxed as you possibly can. Um, get excited for it, you know, mm. appreciate, you know, I often would think back to races that I wanted to do and never got to do them because I was injured and, and, and thought, you know, if I am, if I do have a race this coming Sunday, I'd be like, gosh, remember when I would, I would have given my left kidney to have been out and able to do a race. Mm -hmm. So feel a sense of gratitude. Like I'm not being like hashtag grateful, hashtag blessed. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but maybe just have a sense of this is cool. Like it's, it's happening. Mm. I get to, I get my opportunity and I'm lucky that I get that opportunity. So I reckon a bit of gratitude never goes mm. astray. Embrace um, the taper. Beg embrace, embrace that taper. and the Yeah, field. I enjoy the taper. Yeah. Have an Ellie Pashley attitude towards taper. She yeah. loves a taper. Yeah. yeah, I always like a good taper. I enjoy it. I, <laughs> I like backing things off. Just those 30-minute jogs and three strides. So Yeah, so, so good. <laughs> yeah, I do a Jonesy special on the Tuesday, which is three by five minute at marathon pace, two-minute mm -hmm. easy jog in between, and then shut it all down and just a few easy mm -hmm. jogs, chuck in a couple of rest days. Um, it's not a bad idea to have treatment the week of, but, you know, maybe earlier in the week rather than later in the week. Um, you know, if you've responded well to dry needling in the past, in the days leading in, feel free to do it. But if you never tried that sort of treatment modality, it's probably not the best time. Um, and, you know, I tell people that good race nutrition starts months and months out, you know, like mm. starts months and months when you think about your iron levels and all those sorts of things. But Certainly race day nutrition starts on about the Thursday. So yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday for a Sunday race yeah. is where the magic happens. It's not Sunday at kilometer 25 when you're trying to get a goo down because that's <laughs> probably not even going to touch your lips. But if yeah. it does, you've got a tiny trace of glucose entering your bloodstream. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> so you know, race day nutrition is, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of really clean eating, yeah. focusing on a, a healthy carbohydrate intake and um you know good natural fluids um and yeah try not to overthink it running is a very yeah. simple sport and racing is also very simple um yeah i remember jonesy used to say i don't know why have they have these stupid technical briefings it's pretty easy when you hear a gun just running, <laughs> yeah. blind stop like yeah you know always the king of simple <laughs> yeah and uh we're trying to complicate a very simple thing so you know it's great that people have done the work by this point. You should feel confident in your preparation. You should feel excited to execute. Um, and if you're nervous about your performance, well, you know, that's well, it's technically it's, it's a very good thing because mm. it, it does show you care. Um, but if you, if you feel very underdone and very unsure of 
what your preparation could lead to, it's probably worth reframing your goals and focusing on making the race something different to what you originally thought it was going to be. So it might be more of a process-focused goal about the race day or more about the social side of it or enjoying yourself or, you know, setting smaller goals, but probably reining in um, your expectations and certainly managing them and perhaps getting in touch with something more realistic to think about if you're feeling a bit flat or disengaged with how your preparation has set you up. And that happens a lot. Um, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't do the event, but it certainly means a bit of a reframe. And then if you're feeling, you know, jumping out of your skin and you're super confident in your preparation, then, you know, that's great. And you will probably feel a sense of nervousness knowing that you've got an opportunity to perform, but, you know, what a privilege. Mm. Well summed up. No, love that. Chris, any other thoughts from your side? Questions for Soph? Um, I've got some quick ones if I'm allowed to ask them, Zaka. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably a different topic. Um, so if it, with the lead up to Gold Coast, and obviously I'm very heavily involved with the coaching side of it, when these big events come up and your running's taken a bit of a backseat lately, do the feet, feet get a bit itchy as we get around to these big events? Uh, yeah, they do. Like I would, I would love to be uh, fit enough to be about to attempt a goal marathon. But the thought of that right now is, is very like, if I let the psychological kind of dance away from me and I lose touch with the physical, then that certainly sort of happens that I, I start to think about that and I do get itchy feet. But I'm very in touch with my physical state right now. And so I don't really start dreaming too much about those things. But yeah, definitely like I would absolutely love right now to be fit enough to be attacking my, like my goal is to break 240 for the marathon. That's my goal. And yeah, to think that if I was fit enough right now to be able to do that realistically, like I would love to be in that shape awesome. right now. Yeah. But yeah, look, I'm in a different season of life right now so if you if your feet are itchy there's a podiatrist you could probably go <laughs> could be tinnier <laughs> couldn't let you get away with that one <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just building blood cells right now because my blood volume right now i can't tell you guys, <laughs> through the friggin' roof <laughs> so i am legally doping right now <laughs> yeah this will uh, all off one day love it yeah it's a different kind of train it's a different injury sort of training yeah well, well mindful of your time but i think chris o, have you got some quick questions or so i do that are i know i know very much um, unplanned yeah <laughs> i don't know if you've listened to us over the last couple of months so because i know you've been flat out with work moving house um not far away from bub number two coming along and also um i know mabel's quite demanding as far as her <laughs> her time on the golf circuit so um yep. hopefully these come as a little bit of a surprise but with the people we've had on as guests lately we just ask them a series of quick questions some of them are look it's just it's not serious so feel free to have a laugh and take the piss a little bit but sure um with your watch mate do you do you roll with a garmin or a chorus watch garmin garmin good choice it's been unanimous so far we haven't had a single person say chorus yet so <laughs> no it's good uh, with your phone, iPhone or an Android girl? iPhone. Yeah, good choice. 
when you were, so we go back to Melbourne and it was peak marathon season, what was your favourite gel? Um, well, I'll just go with my, the one that's worked for me best in the past, which is SIS. Yep. Mm. Got a flavour? The black currant, purple. Black currant, very good. Um, favourite sport for child prodigies? Golf. <laughs> Followed by tennis. Followed by tennis. So just basically just, look, just Google prize money. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not running. Not running. Little, little apps. Not. Uh, no, probably uh, just based on personal experience, netball. Netball was just, a, yeah, playing netball was brought me immense joy as a, as a, as a kid. I'd love for Mabel to derive um, as much joy from a sport that I got from netball, whatever that might be. But yeah, hopefully it's golf so she can make me a lot of money. <laughs> I don't have to treat Tinia anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, running alone or do you prefer to run with a group? I actually prefer running by myself. Oh, yeah, someone who talks as much as I do, that would surprise <laughs> my people. But I really like running by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a real introvert at heart, which a lot of people wouldn't think, but I'm a, definitely very introverted. So yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to see both sides of your running on the one day when we ran together at Ballarat, yeah. where the warm up and the cool down, it was just nonstop chatter. Um, I was yeah. very lucky to get a word in, which was great. But then as soon as we raced and um, the serious eyes come on, uh, I did all the talking and I just got a couple of thumbs up and a head nod from you, I think, <laughs> yep. for the whole 15K. So, but that's yeah. me in life as well. Like I can talk the talk under water with a mouthful of marbles, whatever they say. And I do. I love chatting. I'm very social. I love people. I love all that sort of stuff. But I actually deep down just love being by myself. Hmm. I love being on my own. I love my own company. I love being, yeah, I genuinely love being by myself, especially running. Hey, yeah. when you're running alone, if you, you don't wear your phones at all? No, and before I had a baby, I never, ever, I reckon I'd maybe in my life um, two or three times that I ever had anything in my ears. And then the first six months uh, when I got back into it, we just decided it would be a good idea for me to carry a phone. And then if baby had a meltdown, Josh could ring me and I'd come home. Uh, and it occurred to me after about two months of carrying this phone, I was like, well, if I'm carrying a phone, I can actually catch up on some podcasts. Um so probably once or twice a week on an easy jog, I'd put the AirPods in um, and listen to something. And I didn't mind that. I quite liked it. Didn't love it, but I did like it. Uh, and then as soon as we got to the point where he said, don't worry about your phone anymore because I, I don't call you. And I said, I don't think I need to take it anymore. Um, I, yeah, just stopped listening to anything um, and haven't gone back. Um, I don't know, from a safety point of view, I should probably carry a phone with me. I think that's, you know, there's a very strong argument to say I probably should, um, but I don't like carrying a phone when I run. I just like going out by myself. Yeah, nothing in my ears and just, yeah, yeah thinking of nothing. Um, half tights or shorts, mate? So I've, I, when people, I get really confused about this. <laughs> so I worked at two times you for 10 years. So we never said half tights. So it's a full length compression tight that goes from your waist to your ankle mm. or it's a short that got, that sits above your knee joint or it's three quarter tights that sit between your knee joint and your ankle. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's right, a what about, what about a split shorts, shorts then? Awesome. Like 
real skin tight shorts that oh okay so a fitted compression a fitted short or a splitty yeah um oh look i i honestly i'm 50 50 because i wear a bit of both i wear some fitted shorts that you know what we used to call bike shorts like yeah. i wear some fitted shorts and i've got lots of running shorts in my wardrobe that are loose fitting so essentially like a splitty probably fitted probably a yeah. fitted fitted shorts yeah but uh, i do wear loose fitting shorts as well good stuff what about favorite socks what are your favorite running socks to go to um i do i do have a number of pair of steigens that i like a lot um and then that brand in gingy what is it oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh actually oh, no sorry 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 it's comes under the same the brand features Features. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Andy, yep. Andy's sponsor. Yeah. I like features <laughs> and I like Steigen socks. Um, and then quite often, if I'm in New Balance, um, I might just get like a six pack of just black or white sports socks. And so I've got a truckload of those in my cupboard. So I wear a lot of those socks. Do you have a. <laughs> no Thorlows in the no Thorlows in the drawer? Few pairs of Thorlows because I do like to get in touch with my 1980s um, self with my very old school splitty running short. Yep. <laughs> sock length, mate. Uh, like we're cutting it off at the ball of the ankle or do they creep up towards the calf? What do you prefer? Nah, just a low rise. So an ankle sock, but not so low that it sits below the heel counter of the shoe. Just a low rise ankle sock. Yeah. So like, like quarter length, I quarter. Call yeah. Okay, quarter, but no, not quite <laughs> <on there. laughs> uh, Um, Fair to say favourite out, race outfit is the old Zavs uniform? Uh, whatever I wore when I, wore my, when I ran my marathon PB, go with that one. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, favourite shoes? I know this could vary a bit for you, mm. but um, both easy to like easy days and session days. Um, easy jogging, New Balance 1080. Mm-hmm. and sessions any whatever the latest new balance fuel cell kind of um rebel or whatever they are yeah whatever that is whatever's going around when i'm yeah in session mode but yeah nbs are probably my favorite mm-hmm. if i'm honest i've have actually had a few been wearing literally the asics range more recently uh and it's some really nice asics shoes out there at the moment like the nova blast and Super um, nice. yeah the gel nimbus light and stuff like that but i i am probably at my core i'm a new balance runner well no, that, let's just make one thing clear i'm not a new balance runner <laughs> um i have always probably preferred new balance over most brand i feel like that shoe yeah suits me a lot couple more to go mate um if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life what would you choose probably sushi Mm. Okay, good choice. Yes, yeah. What like what that. what do you have in your sushi? Um, either cooked tuna and avocado, mm. or cucumber and avocado, or tofu, cucumber and carrot. Nice. Do you make mm. your own, or is it always um, takeaway? I can make sushi because we have. I can steam the rice, and I know, like, I get by the. I've got the proper rolling thing. It's a rolling mat, basically. That you put the mm. seaweed on the rolling mat then you put the rice down you put your contents and then you roll it but it's like it's 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 nitty pretty and it's, <laughs> oh, it's picky and it's and you got to go to the japanese 
blooming supermarkets to get the rights because mm. I buy from the supermarket and and then because I don't get the temperature of the rice right, it splits the freaking seaweed and then I'm just like, <laughs> honestly, why bother? You roll in white or brown rice? White mostly, but happy to have brown rice sushi. But yeah, pretty much white rice. Wasabi, yes or no? Oh, uh, don't really need it. Don't like. <laughs> I don't not. Don't, don't need it in your life. <laughs> spice. I know it's not spice. It's just kick. But yeah. um, don't really need wasabi. No. Um, but if I want to look cultured, then yeah, I'll we'll put up a little bit. Um, just a drop of soy sauce, but really not that necessary. Ginger is fine. Don't really need it. Yeah. I love a sushi roll. Mm, I'm a big tuna and avocado fan. They're really nice. Mm, can't beat it. And, and smart choice because I reckon you really could eat sushi breakfast, lunch, yeah. or dinner. I don't know about breakfast. No, it's been done in this house. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> I don't crave it of a morning. And I've, I've ashamedly, I am that type of person I'm like it's breakfast so you eat breakfast food it's yeah, dinner, yeah. so you eat dinner food which it's is in the lunch column for me only really sushi uh, maybe at night uh dinner yeah potentially a, like a nice restaurant but I'm not gonna have a yeah it's a it's a lunch for me is it right no I could no I've, I've seen <laughs> Japanese food for dinner all the time probably that's the most my, my most common um yeah no I just love sushi yeah which is challenging because you're technically not really supposed to have it when you're pregnant. But um, I've got a place in Richmond that I go to and they know me very well and they see my face and she scoots out the back and makes it fresh with no mayonnaise, no raw mm. fish, all fresh ingredient. And I've felt comfortable having that intermittently or sparingly through pregnancy. But yeah, when this baby's out, I will be eating all the sushi. <laughs> last one for you so because we were going to ask who your favorite aussie runner is but that could be a bit like asking in a, in a few months who's your favorite child so um, we didn't think that was really fair but to make it a little bit easier if you could choose to go on a training location and go and do a camp and take three people with you who are you going to take and where you're going to go and brady's uh, paying so just brady's all paying open checkbook you do what you like well, I haven't been to St. Moritz. I'd love to go there and see what it's like. But I'm scared it would be so frigging hard yeah. that I wouldn't actually enjoy it. So I think I would probably go back to Boulder. Mm. Um, and who would I take? Definitely not my kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely not Josh. No. He's at home with the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, look, I genuinely love the company of Sinead and Nelly. Like I get on with those two girls really, really well. Uh, and then our mate Hazy. Mm -hmm. I'd take Ellie, Sinead and Hazy. Jeez, that'd be a serious long run going on there. <laughs> well, Hazy and I will probably just get the bikes. <laughs> Sinead would be cutting some ridiculous pace that Ellie would yeah. be like, guys, can I get on your bikes? And we'd yeah. be like, you're technically fit enough. You can keep up with her, but we can. <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon that would be because if it was a training camp, like yeah, those girls, doublers, great company, good fun, love a wine, like mm. love sushi. But, I mean, if I'm it's out, I'm like people who can run. There'd be some good banter in that group. 
Oh, look, you wouldn't want mics on. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't want the microphones on. Record, yeah. Cool. Awesome. I think that's it, Chris. Uh, That's it. Thank you so much, So You're a legend. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, all the best with the new arrival. It's going to be... Thanks very much. Very cool. How far away now, Soph? Probably not too long. So um, I'm 37 and a half weeks. Uh, so maybe two. I don't know. Who knows? Babies come when babies want to come. So <laughs> maybe we'll let you get off air. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> happens. <laughs> Imagine if I was like, look, I've been timing my contractions and they're getting very close together. <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit of extra wasabi one night mate and that could oh, be enough. I imagine yeah. yeah anyway guys i appreciate uh, awesome. you giving me the opportunity as always it's always a delight to come on so. i'll Love um talk we'll to be you in soon. touch sounds good take it easy see ya see ya mate that was really cool to have Soph back on and yeah so Obviously, the show, we've really rejigged the format to accommodate so So we haven't started with our training weeks, but we will just quickly touch on that because we've got a couple of other announcements to make mm. around um, run to bb community. Mate, your training, 86 for the week, 86 Ks? Yeah, yep. It was a, I was a pretty happy with the week, to be honest. Um, it's nice. It's sort of been a bit of a mini sort of three, four-week block. And, um, yeah, got through 86 K. Um, session like that two hour long run in there and um, session was three by two and a half k sort of starting at around um, threshold effort and then trying to get down to 10k effort thereafter Um, two minutes standing in between each of those and then after that third lot of two and a half k andy very generously gave me four minutes um, just to chill out and hang around and then mm. straight into three by 45 seconds and one by 90 seconds. And um, like there was a minute standing in between each of those with the instructions that mm. it's okay to finish this session, hands on knees, or if you're feeling dramatic, you can lay on the road. Um, so they were his words. Yes. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, no, they, they were his words that came through. There was a little bit of tongue in cheek on yeah, that yeah. one, but um, yeah, the instructions were there to try and get after it a little bit. So um, that we did and I got through it and I was pretty happy. Although it was a funny one. It would have been probably just after 6.30 as I was getting into the tail end of the session and I was into that last 90 second effort and it was dark. And by this stage, I, because of standing recoveries, the sweat was rolling into the eyes a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going pretty hard this last 90 seconds and just running. Eyes are a bit blurry. And I nearly cannonballed straight into Anna. Um, she was running oh, straight towards me. and We nearly had a head on. <laughs> I literally didn't see her until wow. she was about three metres in front of me. And she obviously didn't realise I couldn't see properly. So she was sort of waving at me um coming in the opposite direction and i was i just um i wouldn't scream's not quite the right word but i sort of like squealed. um shock was in shock just squealed a little bit and took a, a side step while i'm trying to knock out this last 90 second rep anyway she'd um she was just in the process of finishing her session as well and sort of turned around <laughs> give me the what was going on there <laughs> but um yeah so that was that was the adventure bit of the old uh, lactic the head going as well oh mate i was full of apology like i'm so sorry i didn't see like what do you mean you didn't see me i'm wearing like a bright orange top <laughs> so 
um, yeah, no, I was very apologetic and um, embarrassed, to be honest. So, um, yeah, but crisis averted. And then, yeah, I had a good laugh about that as we went and did a cool down. But, um, no, very happy with the week. Body's feeling good. Um, it's still, a, I guess, a, a solid first half to the week. And then we'll leave the long run back to about 90 minutes uh, on Saturday. And then, yeah, it's Saturday, um, yeah. race week next week. So, yeah, things are good. Race week will be exciting, mate. It's, uh, we'll, we'll dig into that a bit next week. Obviously, mm. with your, well, you've, you mentioned goals last week, but we'll, we'll dig in a bit more about race day plans and yeah, how you're feeling. So, look forward to that. We might, we might be jagging a special guest. We're still in talks with them about uh, a bit more of a Gold Coast flavor to it. So, we'll see where we land with that one. No, looking forward to that. If, um, yeah, sort of really just bring a bit more hype. To next week and get excited about Gold Coast if we can do that. So, no, watch this space on that one. But you're out knocking a few Ks over as well, mate. Sort of, yeah, the runs are getting a little bit longer and a little bit quicker as well. Yeah, just starting to turn the corner a bit, just able to get over those, you know, still out to the 35 plus, well, 42 minute run, 40, and then out to a my Sunday run was 70 minutes. So, First time over, I think I did 65 last week. But, yeah, it's 70 minutes. You start to feel like it's a Sunday run to a degree, mm. you know, from from where I was at. So, and felt good, like pulled up fine. And, yeah, so definitely, definitely take that. There was a bit of, um, it was along the beach, along the um, down St Kilda, uh, Elwood Way. And I saw... Coach uh, Sammy, the, the shoe dog, had requested a $5 fee. I was going to say, the gate entry the to get in there, I yeah. think. because <laughs> uh, he was he was tagging me in a post one of his athletes, Anna Alice, had done during the week at the tan. He'd said, oh, I've got to send her an invoice for um, jumping on my track. So <laughs> I think that's it, Sammy. But nah, good to be back and just getting consistent runs. Still not going at the six days a week more in that four to five at the moment having a few days up one day recovery and then uh, up again or on again so all heading in the right direction not rushing it so to you know like oh did i crack 50ks last week maybe been very close too yeah got the um half century so raise the garment on that one and then uh we'll Hopefully, yeah, just another another week. It's 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 not exciting training, but it's good that I'm really grateful and happy to be out there. And that's I'm not in any rush, so just enjoying that process. Well, it's progress. Yeah, um, oh, and you know that's what we want. So, no good signs, mate. It's um, who knows? Might even be able to sneak you out there. Maybe a run on the Sunday. Maybe not in the marathon at Gold Coast, but yeah, no, I'm not going to join. <laughs> but I'll be out Sunday. I'll be out running. Yeah. I'll be out on the. Well, obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we've got the shakeout run on the mm. Friday. They'll be definitely there for that. I'll be out on running Saturday, watching the half go around, mm-hmm. and then I'll be out doing a Sunday run. I like I've done quite a few Sundays at Gold Coast and. It's it's awesome to be obviously watching or everyone really you know from the from your run to BB athletes right up to the the top end and your overseas athletes but 
it's a, it's a bit of a disjointed Sunday run because you sort of run, stop, cheer, yeah. road crossing, and you run again. So, and and for me, it's it's kind of perfect because I'm in that state of like, you know, if I was in a full training block and I'm like, oh, I want to get 90 minutes done on hour 45, you're kind of like, oh, this is really a Sunday run, but this will be kind of really fun because I can just go at my own pace. And there's, um, yeah, there's a bit of a crew of us that'll be roaming the streets up there. So that'll be good. I yeah. um moving over to around the grounds. There was a bit of action down on the peninsula, or as Mattress calls it, God's Country. Mm. Peninsula Running Festival. Same group, same organization that put on the Mornington running festival. Yeah, which wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. So they're um they've got a series of events. There's another one. Oh, it's uh the locations escape me, but there is a third one in the series coming but this one had what did we have going around there was a 10k and a half we had three in the in the 10 so jay uh, sarah jaya maha who has been a regular on the show and a regular mentions in around the grounds snagged the gold or the win in the 10 running 39 42 nice done yeah. done very well um which would be very close to a PB too, I reckon. Yeah, Sarah. I think it was close. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was. Might have done track 10k potentially. Yeah, so 10k would feel very short. Yeah, for Sarah, I reckon. <laughs> Back of uh, 24 hours on the track. Mm. Zach um, Round, yeah, a man I... who's the poster boy in the Instagram post that we're referring to. He ran 38. 21 is that right i think so yeah 38 21 and also jack a spot on the podium as well in silver so second so very cool from zach off the boston marathon yes so he's made a, yep, made a he, nice recovery and into the 10k so very good bounced back well and also friend of the show recent interviewer mm. bowen moore went, went round in the 10k as well and ran 41 33 he did had and, a great run wasn't required to jumpstart Gemma's car either, <laughs> yeah. uh, which made the weekend a bit easier. <laughs> Very nice. And I, I know he was celebrating at the local, I remember he uh, referred to the bottle shop or the beer place he goes to to spoil himself after a good run and he had a nice drop uh, post-run celebrating his top 10 finish. So great stuff from Bowen. And one of my athletes in the half, uh, Lou McLeod, who won 42 22 a big pb eight minute pb was actually meant to do the barossa half which was a good part of a month ago or three and yeah had some travel issues come up couldn't make it some work things came up so just had to pull the pin at the last minute so we then rescheduled so it obviously sort of had done a bit of that that build a little bit of the taper we then reloaded Got on the start line for this. And uh, yeah, Jag's a big PB. So um, yeah, huge, huge run from Lou. So great to see. And she's going to uh, tow the line at Melbourne as the next goal in the half as well. So just um, chip away at that that half marathon PB. Maybe, a, who knows, mate, maybe a sneaky sub 140 next time. Oh yeah, I think that's on the cards, mate. That's the, uh, that's the goal. <laughs> Ghost uh, Trail Half Marathon down Great Ocean Roadway. We did. We had a, had a few down there. So uh, Felix, Felix Esperson, I believe, 
ran 151.12, which was good enough for third. And probably look at and go, well, 151 for a half might have been a tough day, but no, this course is pretty tough down there. So it's a bit of a lot of sand to run in, a fair bit of water too, I believe. And they call um, it a trail half, but yeah, seeing that there is pitches and yeah, speaking to people that yeah, they end up running in sand and doing a bit of a swim at some point. Yeah, <laughs> not very, quite, but yeah. It can feel a bit more like a hike, I believe, <laughs> <laughs> based on on feedback. So um, Felix has done really well there mm. to, to knock the course over in 151. I had a couple of my athletes go around as well. So Kate Dayton, who absolutely adores her trails, um, mm. she ran 220. And um, I think she finished fourth in her age group. She was quite chuffed at that. And um, Catherine Clark um, back down there for a second go. So Catherine beat her time from a previous attempt by 17 minutes and ran oh. 248. Nice. So, um, yeah, she was absolutely thrilled with how the day went. And, it was um, um, featured on our socials in the image, second yes. image. Looked very happy to be out on the trail. So I don't think anyone could look more ecstatic at the end of a race. I've never seen someone in endurance events get the quality of just good-looking race photos that Kate gets. Um, Fresh, there's a, yeah. There's one from, um, I think, one of oh, Kate's first attempt at the Melbourne Marathon where she just looks a million bucks coming over the finish line running a PB. Um, yeah, she's just got an absolute, just a, a book full of good, mm. good race photos. So um, it usually like goes to, the wave as well. Oh, yeah, there's usually a double wave. So um, <laughs> usually both arms are outstretched with a bit of a wave and just a smile from you to you. smile so, to double wave, yeah. Yeah, just... Um, yeah, always looks a million bucks, does does Kate. But um no, Take some notes for Gold Coast, Chris O. Yeah. Um oh you know me, mate. When I race, I'm always smiling. <laughs> well, I don't know about Bendigo, you weren't it was uh, a No, that that was death warmed up. Um, <laughs> that day, if we're being honest. Um yeah, there was Chelsea, one of my athletes who I coached who came across with us that day. She was on the camera that day and um i think she took nearly a thousand photos and there are about 10 or 12 of me that got left on the cutting room floor because they weren't <laughs> weren't fit for um public consumption <laughs> based on um how i looked so no chelsea managed to find a couple of good ones that day but that was about it but um no but uh, we also mate we had a few head around at cruden farm as well i think um so Ryan Cramery, uh, your boy, James, James yes. Telford and Nathan Conton all went around and um, worked through almost a, probably closer to a bit of a swamp. Um, Cruden was by the end of the day, given there was some creek and some mud or lots of mud mm. to run through. But um, reports from all three of the, the lads there that had a good day out. Enjoyed it, yeah. XCR race, like they're tough. Like they're, mm. yeah, 12K <laughs> cross, not an easy race. And yeah all three of them uh yeah got through it in one piece and on the other side and will be definitely fitter for it so good stuff up to queensland sandgate park run i don't mm. know if you caught this chris oh massive that's 700 did. plus yes this was, was enormous crazy stats going on around that race in terms of the amount of sub 20 sub 18s and just sub 25s and, and and just the amount of participation like it just looks like an awesome setup up there chris oh yeah a road trip for a park run yeah <laughs> no it's a 
fast course, I think it's usually so three weeks out from Gold Coast, the, the mm. running squad normally um, organise a run there. And it's now, I think, evolved into like a five, the unofficial 5K um, championships um, mm. in Queensland. So, yeah, just over 700 runners and just absolutely insane the amount of people that, that ran fast times. I think mm. um, like there was even sort of 15 or so that broke um, 16 minutes or 15 16, minutes or yeah. something like that. So I think there was um, one in 14, 20. Yeah, like it's just yeah. and the the caliber of people getting down there. But look, isn't it? It's just good to see that people are supporting community events and mm. um, getting down there and, and and getting amongst it. So and you know, kudos to um, the effort that the Burt Squad um, put into, I guess, making that sort of park run a bit of a tradition because it's been happening for a few years now down there. But um, our man Dion Allen, he he ventured down, mate, and. He ran a PB. Big's understating it, really yeah. massive. 17.20, he's sure. gone around in, absolutely took the knife out, sliced <laughs> off a big chunk of his PB for this one. So, um, yeah, Sandgate, it's, um, that's the place to be for fast mm. running in winter. Talk about looking a million bucks. He uh, yeah, had the singlet on just out mm. the front and absolutely, uh, yeah, killed it. Great backdrop with the water. Yeah, killed it. Postcard quality, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Put that on the postcard and uh, <laughs> shoot it to, to someone who hears <laughs> my PV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, great stuff. But um, Chris, so one park run result that happened on the weekend that mm. uh, we wanted to touch on a little bit more and go into a bit more de- depth and also forming as part of the hero of the week is an athlete that is coached by Sammy. Yeah, so Linda Dermott, who um, we may have mentioned Linda before, but for those that may have missed, Linda is the mum of Anna Ellis, who is also coached by Sammy. And Anna's past guest. Past guest. Um, Anna's run some incredible times over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. It's a wellness run, Gold Coast. Um, yeah, I think she finished in the top sort of 15, top 20 at Gold Coast last year and um, might have just snuck under 250 or, or just above. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's a phenomenal athlete in her own right. But Anna's mum, Linda, well, I mean, not, as far, not to say that like, she's doing well. She's doing great. Um, mm-hmm. Linda's 72. We've had um, been very impressed with some of our elder athletes our, our elder and wiser athletes mm. that run to pb but linda is 72 and lo- absolutely loves a park run so i think she went around in around 32 minutes at albert park on the weekend um out there with the albert park faithful and mm. look sammy was mentioning that she's super dedicated just absolutely loves the running um, does pilates and weights most days but what was really interesting to learn about Linda is that she has a very extensive running background, that she was a very high-level sprinter back in the UK um, in her younger days and specialised in the 100 and 200 yards, mm-hmm. where over 100 yards, she covered that in 12, 12.25 and, and the 200, mate, spot wheels. Oh. I would love to be able to stride at that pace, yeah. but, um, you know, and just for like once, and that's probably after I've done six or seven of them. Um, and then for the 200 yards, went around in 25.8. So I've done some basic maths. 
which took me about half an hour to figure out. But, <laughs> um, 100 yards. So um, that's the equivalent of 13.4 over 100 metres. Yeah, wow. Um, which for those playing at home, um, you go out and try and run 100 metres in 13.4, that is moving very swiftly, moving. particularly if you're a distance runner. Mm. <laughs> there's yeah. not gonna there is not gonna be a 13.4 come out of these little legs um in mm. Shepparton anytime soon, believe me. And for 200, um, we're knocking that over in around 28.22 for 200 meters. So um that's incredible, just quietly. And um also wanted to mention, so this is another interesting fact that while um Linda was training back in the UK and absolutely smashing out these times, she was fortunate enough to to train with a couple of British Olympians, so Lillian Broad and Mary Rands, who um, who also represented um, Great Britain at the Olympics um, on the track, she um, was able to rub shoulders with them. So, mate, um, just goes to show that yeah, like you can you can take some sprinters and then turn them into some endurance mm-hmm. endurance athletes. And no, just a really cool story about Linda who is still absolutely driven mm. to get the absolute best out of herself, which is amazing. And just loving it. You can see in the photo that was mm. posted in the, our socials on a story um, there with with Anna and her kids and just, yeah, look um, look bloody fresh off the back of that um, park run as well. I'd, I reckon she's looking at 5K and thinking that's just a warm-up. <laughs> I'm keen to <laughs> a double park get into the 10s, do the double. Mm. Do a double park run, get out and um and knock some more distance over. But yeah, Sammy um, reports he she's an absolute sports nut. They're they're exchanging texts about the tour or the the upcoming tour to France. They're talking all things sport back and forth on the banter, and then um, no doubt Sammy's um potentially. I I did float the idea is the super shoes being um being involved in this um. In this training as well, in this in the regime, and that that's uh, TBC. So <laughs> maybe Linda will get the vapor flies for uh, sub thirty five k attempt. Sub thirty park run. I mean, Sammy Sammy could be out there pacing Linda at, at park run with the yeah. with the new vapor flies on. So maybe and Anna as well, um, just just helping mum around. But no, yeah, it's all it's yeah, it's bloody good to see and. Age is really just a number. It just really, it's the official confirmation of how long you've had your birth certificate, really. It doesn't (laughs) necessarily limit you to to what you can go out and do. So, look, um, I just think it's bloody amazing. My goal as I get older, and I want to be able to run forever if I can, but I'd just be chuffed to be able to put my own shoes on unassisted, (laughs) to be honest. So, um, yeah, I just think it's amazing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Definitely worthy. Worthy winner of uh, Hero of the Week. Mm. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Hey, mate, quick world record chat because this came through to, I reckon we were tagged in this. Oh, I was tagged in it 20 times across. Yeah, the I had a lot, lot of this. Yeah. Um, so, the Danish, the Danish sensation who set the world record for the half marathon with a stroller, mm-hmm. Jacob, uh, Jacob, maybe, Jacob Soma Simonson. Ran 108.04 for a half marathon with a stroller, beating the record, previous world record by 34 seconds. He's, Mate, uh, he's had a bind. He's absolutely, like, um, 
I know, like for me personally, I had um, Sauce sent this through to me. Um, Liam Beecroft sent this through as well. Yeah. Um, like just the amount, of, and it was really cool. You're like, hey, these people listen to the podcast. They know. They know where I'm to look out for for content. And I saw, I watched the footage, so I had to look at the video. And <laughs> watch the whole sixty-eight four minutes, or just I the... <laughs> saw enough to get a chance to what what went on for most of it. <laughs> And the pram was with him and it was definitely in front of him at all times, but it was like just bits oh. and pieces where there was one hand on the pram. The, the pram was a bit being, of ghosty action. You're there was a little bit of ghosty action at times, but it didn't get too far away. Um, but yeah. Within, within like, 100 metres. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Does this pram have a motor? But yeah. no, like um, there's a lot of sort of arm changing. So I can imagine sort of running with one arm fixed to the, the pram would just be awful. But yeah, like he was shifting and looked relatively comfortable oh, as yeah. well. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what, and we're going to go with Jakob because um, he's um, well, of European descent, so it's, it's got to be Jakob <laughs> if you're from over there. Jacob just sounds real Aussie, yeah, real awesome. Aussie mate. So <laughs> um, that was Jakob. But no, look, he um, did an interview almost as soon as he finished and he was just like, yeah, no, nah, I just went out with a pram and, yeah, like sort of ran well and that nah, was good. So, yeah. Um, Mate, a few things about oh, Jakob. He doesn't mind a frothy. Mm. He's the current national record holder, record holder over the beer mile. Okay. And he – so he's, he's obviously um, – enjoying parenting life and he needs to be a mile as well to uh, <laughs> balance things out he's run 214 for the mara yeah that's okay yeah. <laughs> so yeah he he's um he's legit you know he's 63 minute guy over the over the half so yeah he, he's shifting and uh with or without the prayer <laughs> he's really just tempoed it really hasn't he I wonder if he did many of the workouts with the pram, like, you know, doing this sort of three by three K and some of the traditional half marathon workouts with the pram. I'd mm. say so just having a look and I'm, I'm enjoying the kit. Um, Jacob mm. appears to be Danish. Um, he's got a Denmark flag on the bib. Yeah. He's yes. Danish. No, he's definitely Danish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he's gone with the, um, the the brand new Saucony shoe, yeah. um, the the lime green, um, endorphin elite. So, mm. um, the interesting shoe of choice, but it, obviously it's worked. And the pram, it's a real light framed wispy yeah. number, and it looks like I'm just having a look. The child, his child looks sound asleep. There's yeah. no upright. Um, Vigo is his kid's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um. He is sounders, like oh, the eyes are closed and he is in a full recline there. The feet are just sort of hanging out a little bit at the bottom and mm. it looks like it must be a real smooth ride because if he's hit a pothole or something, I reckon Vigo would be up and about. But Vigo no. have a Strava account? Does he upload that as well? Do they do that, a, Do they tag him in or is it just a single upload? For I would probably Duncan. have to flag Vigo for um, some of the Strava <laughs> segments that I'm just not sure whether they, they qualify. <laughs> But I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. I, Vigo, Vigo would be doing some high mileage in that mm. pram. Just looking at the tread on the tyres, it looks like potentially some new tyres have been fitted um, specifically for the race just to, and probably pumped up within an inch of their life. 
too, just mm. to make it nice and light. But um, that's a ripper of a running pram. Uh, yeah. Not that I'm in, I'm certainly not in the market for one, but I know match. Yeah. I know mattresses that that's come across mattresses desk all week. This oh. when you're having a crack at this. And <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. what, running, running a 6804, that's, that's impressive with no pram. Yeah. Um, that's like, that's preferred start with the elites and mm. strutting your stuff at every event in Australia, um, let alone with the Prem. Like if you were, you know, Zachary, if we're going back a few years and you've entered Gold Coast and you're you're out there looking for a PB and you're in the elite section, you know, you sort of ushered mm. in on the red carpet um, through the front, <laughs> sort of doing yeah. your strides out um, ahead of the starting queue and a bloke lobs in with a pram. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, that's... Um... <laughs> You'd be, you'd be checking with security just to make sure they're <laughs> in the right spot. <laughs> Mate, um, the, four, the, mar- the mile record is 4.32 in a, high, in a street mile. <laughs> and that was the father-son duo that um, yeah, knocked it out and the kid has a helmet on. So. <laughs> 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 and, <it's> like, <laughs> and he... Could be of questionable where whether he should be in a, anyway. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think where do you draw the line? Like, could we get Kip Chogi to throw some just random kid in a pram and <laughs> crack at it? Like, <laughs> I'm looking at the the child that's in the um, the pram for the mile that ran the 4:32. He's a big kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's why. Like, there needs to be some kind of. Um, you know how they got the capillas out for the shoes. Mate, the wheels need to be tested before, like sort of GP style. Mm. Got to do a, a check-in and make sure these machines are uh, legit. And even, yeah, I'm even a weigh-in on some of the um, some of the kids going in the prams. Yeah. I think, I, think in, going on. I reckon in fairness, it, it needs to be your child yeah, that's well, in the pram yeah. as well. Can't just pick someone up on long. No, or well, you can't. You know, obviously, <laughs> you want to be having a look because a lot of these kids, particularly the very stationary ones who don't make much noise or moving, I mean, we're questioning whether it is a child that's in the pram. It's not just a doll because you can buy. I'm sure that you can buy some pretty lifelike um, small children and <laughs> put in a put in a pram. Uh, Technology is pretty good these days. <laughs> uh, very lucky Soap left the uh, chat. Yeah, there's a re- there's a reason why we didn't roll this stuff. We saved it to the very end, mate. It's been a long episode. Uh, I think tell. I'm getting a bit tired. A little bit of housekeeping before we um completely uh, <laughs> butcher the show. The Lulu Lemon Clubhouse is going to be open up at the Gold Coast, and we've got some invites for a run to VV crew that's being circulated this week. There, any of the community up there that are running can get involved with some of the events over the weekend there's a shakeout mm. run which i mentioned earlier shakeout it is the shakeout led by the community slash run to bb king brady throwful he is leading the charges there could be a lot of people that are going to be <laughs> there for him, so he's gonna be a busy man but we are part of that myself and you chris are going to mm-hmm. be there 
we've got a few of our athletes that are signaling they might join us for that shakeout. It'll just be, I think it's going to be 30 minute run, 20, 25 to 30 minute run on the Friday, 7.30 to 8.30, I believe. Mm. Paces for all abilities too. We won't be running at four tens. Um, We're not running Brady Prate pace. No. Or, um, you know, I think Matt might come. So, you know, that'll be, he'll, he'll be able to pace the seven minute crew. It's going to be very <laughs> casual. Yeah, it'll be very casual. And then there's some coffee going on afterwards at the, mm. so they're setting up camp at the, the clubhouse, which is at the QT, which is in Surface Paradise. So they're going to be putting on a bit of a spread post run. So that'll be cool. And then on the Sunday, there's a, a live show that uh, the inside running guys are doing. And then there's a celebration afterwards that uh, is up on the rooftop there, which everyone's invited to come along free show. And then, um, yeah, some, some uh, refreshments afterwards to enjoy and, and everyone sort of catch up and reflect on the day. So yeah, it's going to be, going to be a big weekend, mate. No, it should be great. I think, um, and look, for those that have been asking, and there have, has been a lot of people, unfortunately, we won't be doing a live show. Um, but um, most welcome to come and catch up with us at the Inside Running um, show on Sunday as well. Yes, definitely, mate. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Not long now, mate. And uh, mate, it's been cold down here in, in Melbourne. So oh, it's, it's, it's cold. So, uh, <laughs> it's wow. been disgusting yeah i mean um, I, I, I say cold because i'm the guy running at 5 30 so i'm not copying it at 5 30 a.m which you are so no mate let, so this morning ventured out opened the front door and not only was there a frost on the front lawn but the fog was that thick i couldn't even see to the end of the block um yeah. threw on a, a couple more layers so this morning i actually ran in tracksuit pants um <laughs> Heat so, training. It was minus one and felt like minus three and a half. Yeah. But yeah, got out, tracksuit pants. I had the singlet on and then the Runs PB singlet gloves. I had a beanie on. Um, yeah, and I was kitted out and did not warm up at all while I was out there. It was just a little half an hour shake. But um, shit, I was happy when I got inside and felt the heat again. <laughs> it was so good. But yeah, um, hopefully that's about the end of the extreme cold. Otherwise... Um, there is a good chance that when I get off the plane next Thursday at Gold Coast, I'll get heat strokes. So, yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's spare thought for friend of the show, past guest, Paul Reason, who a little bit of a niggle working through to get ready for Gold Coast, but he was this evening, and I got a message at 4.30, he was uh, doing a bit of cold water therapy, jumped in the ocean down in uh, Tassie, he had a jumper. He sent me a photo. He had a jumper, a big puffer jacket on, two beanies as he uh, got in the cold water. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's real dedication. Um, Would you call that blue collar, mate? That's that's blue skinned. Um, yeah. By the time he gets out, that's not just blue collar. Yeah. That's um, that's risk of some frostbite there. So, yeah, hopefully he's okay and he's thawed out because yeah. that would be. Shout yeah. out to Paul if he's big. Shout out here. to Paul. Can um, move again. <laughs> yeah. Cold, cold water, I do not do unless I'm drinking it. That's literally, <laughs> um, I'm not bathing in like ice baths or anything yeah. like that. That's um, my pain tolerance to that stuff is awful. Mm. No. Yeah. Yeah. Gold Coast, we'll get a bit of sun, mate. It'll be good. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> One week to go. <laughs> Hang in there. All right, mate. We'll catch up next week. It'll be race week. 
potential special special guest. And oh, actually, one more thing. I am catching up with uh, Mad Mitch, probably depending on his. He's all over the shop with his travels at the moment. It's either going to be Thursday or Friday or record something. And, uh, yeah, he's he was in Oslo for that Diamond League. Mm. So he got to experience uh, Ollie Hawes national or well, lowering the national record, Jess Hull with that mile. He's been having a ball. He sent me through his schedule of races he's going. He's obviously covering a lot as a freelance journalist over there. But I thought I sent it to you, Chris. It was about a list of like six meets. You know, he had some, he had more diamond leagues that he was going to cover. You know, he had London on there. I think Stockholm would that be right? Uh, there was a bunch on there. We'll, I'll get him on. He's going to break that down because yeah, he's already had a um, yeah some pretty cool experiences. So it'll be good to catch up with uh, with Mitch. Oh, Mitch is a great storyteller at the best of times, mm-hmm. let alone when he's been able to travel around Europe for the last <laughs> little while and and sort of press the flesh with some of the best athletes <laughs> on the planet. So I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, the man's an absolute legend. Mm, yeah. So we'll, we'll drop that in for next week. And uh, yeah, we'll be chatting again. Enjoy, mate. I'll uh, have a good training week and we'll, we'll chat next week. Sounds good, mate. Thank you. See you, mate. See ya.